Alright everybody, welcome to episode 58 of Talking Taker. Check the tiz on, folks. It's our encyclopedic <laughs> exploration. Digging <laughs> at the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. Tiz on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we appreciate you joining oh. us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined by my fellow creature, my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, dude, isn't it crazy that we're watching this stuff from 20 years ago, we're watching Triple H really come into his own as a partner for The Undertaker, and now 20 years later, would you have ever thought that those two guys would still be the, like the highlight of Monday Night Raw main eventing a pay per view? No, man, it's ridiculous to think about that, man. And yeah, they're they're like the selling point to this Australia show, man. It's crazy, like you know, they're they're the greatest Royal Rumble match of the Australia show. It's just crazy. That's what everything's being built towards. So you're right, man. Seeing them as like co like co-workers and cohorts here, and then. Tag team partners, basically, and then yeah, here we are, 19 and a half years later, and they're about to fight again. It's just crazy to think about and see. So, because he, you know, Undertaker is what he is. He's been there for nine years at this point, and he's been doing his thing, and he's been a top guy since day one. And uh, but here we're getting honored, really coming into his own. You know, I know it's not exactly the same. Like the years are a little bit off, but it's it's almost as if on these episodes of Raw that we're watching, if Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe were like taken seriously and were like having like a legitimate feud <laughs> in 1999. That's almost sort of what Undertaker and Triple H having a, a serious feud in 2018 is like. It kind of is. Yeah. Kind of puts it in perspective. <laughs> Their bodies have held up a little better though. <laughs> Slightly. So. A little well, bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, I say all that, and you guys, and you might be able to tell. I'm uh, kind of avoiding talking about what we're actually here to talk about. It's you know, this is going to be a weird one. We're uh, covering Over the Edge 1999 on our encyclopedic exploration through every pay-per-view match of the Undertaker's career. So, unfortunately, that leaves us with hitting this very sad, uh, very um, unfortunately memorable pay-per-view in WWF history. And uh, a lot of people may forget that the main event of this pay-per-view is The Undertaker versus Stone Cold for the WWF Championship. It's obviously not the most memorable part of this pay-per-view and certainly not the most important part of this pay-per-view because, of course, this is the show where Owen Hart tragically fell to his death uh, a little uh, over 19 years ago, and that's what it's remembered for. Uh, and that's, you know, we are going to talk about that a little bit later on. I think, we, you know, we can save our thoughts on that sure. as we get into the pay-per-view. But, you know, we're going to do our best to cover that match, to highlight it, because it's actually a pretty significant match in The Undertaker's career, even though it's completely yeah. overshadowed, and rightfully so. And, you know, you may even argue that that match probably uh, should have never happened in a lot of ways. But uh, we'll get into all that, because it did happen. And uh, we're going to talk about the build-up to it. But, uh, of course, we did cover a lot of the buildup on last week's episode. Isn't that right? Thank God. Yeah, thank <laughs> God. Because if we hadn't, this would be a, a two-and-a-half-hour show this week. So, yeah, I'll bring you guys up to speed in case you 
skip last week because it was a UK only pay per view. Maybe you thought I'll just skip it, whatever. Go back and listen because it's really good stuff, you know. And we cover a lot of the build up to this match as well. So in case you missed it, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. We got the corporation, the ministry have merged now. They're forming the corporate ministry. Uh, Shane is the one. Shane McMahon is the one who was allowed to take her to access Stephanie's things, let him in the house, gave him the teddy bear, yada yada yada. Uh, the union has formed with um, Test, Big Show, Mankind, and Ken Shamrock, and loosely aligned with Vincent Mann. So, <laughs> which we you pointed out the irony of Vincent Mann being uh, form, uh, aligned with a union, you know, of professional wrestlers. So, anyway, also Taker vows to sacrifice Austin to a power greater than himself. That will come into play uh, in future episodes here. She says, I'm going to take your title and I'm going to sacrifice you to someone greater than myself. And then um, Taker's going to face Austin over the edge. Shane's a special guest ref. And then HBK adds Vince as a second ref. So, whew. Yeah. That's the condensed version of last week's. <laughs> take Bring a breather. Speed. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Ugh. Well, that means uh, we've got a little bit of stuff here to cover because uh, on the same night as that pay-per-view was airing that we covered last week, No Mercy, the UK edition, uh, in the United States, an episode of Sunday Night Heat was airing. And there's a little bit of stuff going on here with the corporate ministry. Uh, it's basically all setting up Raw the next night. The corporate ministry is going to cut a promo in the ring. And really the most significant part of this promo is Triple H's attire in his absolutely shiny black pleather <laughs> pants looking like an extra from a Backstreet Boys video, dude. What is going on? <laughs> It's out of control, man. He's got like a plain white tee. Does he have a fanny pack on still? I don't remember if he has it he on, but have. he has those those black pleather pants. I could not take my eyes off of him, man. Yeah. They were out of control. Oh, it was like oh, I had nothing to say, but it was just it was crazy. You see, we see the ministry corporate ministry arrive backstage, and they're discussing something like at a low volume. And I just wrote my notes. They're probably discussing Hunter's pants. So they're probably all just like, "What the heck's he doing, man?" Because I mean, I don't know. He got those from. Uh, I guess nowadays you'd call it Hot Topic or something, but back then we had Gadzooks in our mall. Remember that story? Yeah, <laughs> so I do. They I, sold stuff like that, yeah. I think he borrowed them G- from China. <laughs> Chris Jericho. Oh, oh they do look like Jericho. It did not fit sure. the Hunter Hurt Selmsley. No, they did not. Did not fit this version of Hunter Hurt Selmsley, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was crazy. Well, I guess that, I mean, maybe Shane's punishing him because uh, Hunter's going to have to wrestle Stone Cold Steve Austin on Raw tomorrow. That's what happens in this promo. Uh, makes that match, which is a pretty huge matchup and one that we're going to see a lot of in the future, and is also going to make a match with The Undertaker taking on The Rock in a casket match. So those are the two big matches for Over the Edge, kind of kind of flip-flop and switch with each other and face each other on Raw tomorrow night. And Undertaker actually makes a very astute point in his promo when he talks about this casket match. <clears throat> yeah, he does, man. He gets on the mic and he calls Rock a silly young man, and he says that... And just a few short weeks ago, I witnessed you making a mockery of the whole funeral process. You had a casket. You had a hearse. Tomorrow night, Rock, I'm going to show you what a casket is used for. And I just thought, I just wrote my notes that I couldn't agree more because The Rock did mockery of it because we mentioned on last week's episode how they had the buried alive stuff there for rock and and um was it rock and rock and, and austin austin yeah that's what it was and th- there's no mention no no crossover would take her anything like that so um yeah kudos to take her for remembering that you know that was and, a uh, great callback i love that i loved it yeah it was awesome so yeah 
And he says, um, <clears throat> tells Austin to watch close because his, uh, his unholiness, my lord, the one that I answer to, has summoned me. And he wants your gold, your body, your mind, and your soul. And you'll pay the ultimate sacrifice. So again, he's going to sacrifice him to somebody else, this higher power or whatever. And that'll won't come to, we won't say that come to fruition here on this week's episode of Talking Taker. But I think, what, maybe two episodes from now we get that, I think? So yes. we'll see. Yes, so it'll be on our King of the Ring episode that we discuss the whole higher power saga uh so tune in next week for that one folks oh yeah it is next week yeah you're right so yeah uh well the uh corporate ministries rivals the union uh, get a big tune-up match here on sunday night heat they're gonna be (laughs) facing the corporate ministry in an eight-man tag at over the edge so you know what better force them to go up against here to warm up their skills than against the disciples of apocalypse and too much what Dude, a match. I cannot believe that. Oh, that's the main event anywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, dude, I cannot believe that that was actually happened. So, um, yeah, they defeat them. The union does, of course. I mean, if they lost to them, that'd be a travesty. So, they defeat too much in the DOA, and uh, corporate ministry comes out. Of course, they can't have a clean finish or a clean like you know. No, there's nothing that's going to happen, and no one's going to run in. So. They come out, of course, and but they, they decide to back down. The corporate ministry does once they see the union grab some two by fours from under the ring. So, I guess Foley stashed them there earlier in the night. I have no idea, but he um, they pull them off from under the ring, and the corporate ministry kind of backs away. So, smart move there, and and perhaps it's something <clears throat> that our old friend Lucas should have done because he's on this episode of Heat as well, and uh, he gets God. just shoved over by Matt Hardy in the middle of a promo on this episode, and. <laughs> wanted to bring it up because we uh, we talked about Lucas, the WWF.com reporter, a couple weeks ago in our show. And I asked uh, you know, if anyone knew where old Lucas was or heard from him or knew his whereabouts these days to let us know. And somebody did actually find him. I'm pulling it up on Twitter right now. Poor guy, man. <clears throat> so he probably was the first deletion for Matt Hardy, maybe. <laughs> you could say That's what that. happened. He got, de- he got deleted. So at John... Uh, I don't know how to say your last name. G G Joni or Gioni. <laughs> J G G John G J O N I. That's a tough one. Anyway, he s- let us know that that's Lucas Swineford, who used to work for WWF.com and apparently is a like a teacher or professor at Yale University right now, which is wow incredible. Uh, you can actually, it's on our Twitter. You can pull up his page on there. Um, I tried to reach out for him to, to see if he wanted to talk about his experience in the WWE or anything like that. He hadn't contacted me back yet, but you know, he, he does have a Twitter. It doesn't look like he uses it very much, but he is alive and well and uh, actually pulled up his LinkedIn too. And uh, yeah, like he, worked, <laughs> he worked for the WWE for till 2006, uh, it looks like even. Uh, so maybe in a backstage role or. Something like that. So there you go. Mystery solved. We found Lucas. There you go. We found him. <clears throat> now we got to get him back. So, yeah, we're still going to so work on that. we can get that. him back on this podcast. Oh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Those of you are, are creatures of a night, see if you can hit up Lucas and see if he'll come on the show. Yeah, I mean, talk don't, to us a little bit, don't so. harass him or anything like that. But uh, Oh, no, by no means. If you no, know, We literally want to talk to him. Yeah, if you I know Mr. Swinegood, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. Swine. Swineford. Yeah. We'll get his well, name right eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> He's never coming on here. No. So, anyway, well, that'll bring us to Raw 
312 on May um, 17th, 1999. So this is the go-home show over the edge. So, again, not too much build-up here we're going to cover for this pay-per-view because we covered a lot of it last week. Um, dude, you got the corporate ministry B-team coming out at mm-hmm. the beginning. So, is it, well, I guess basically it's everybody but Hunter and Taker and uh, – Paul Bear, I think, basically. Right. But to me, it's just everybody else is just the B team. And I just wrote my notes that leather is the wardrobe choice, man. I guess Hunter started something the night before because everyone's got leather on, man. Yeah. Acolyte's got those pleather pants, and Viscera's got a big old black leather suit. It looks like Missy Elliott from the mm-hmm. Superfly com- uh, video, exactly <laughs> which is probably like popular. That. Probably popular about this time. <laughs> so, it's 1999. Uh, yeah, man. And <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Um, yeah, they're out in chains. Talks about the union's cars breaking down, so they might not be here tonight. And they, the corporate ministry has um, is going to annihilate some people in their path tonight. And um, he's got three people on their hit list, and number one is Ben. So he says, "Why don't you go ahead and lock your door?" Well, <laughs> this this episode of Raw, I, I think it's I, I didn't double check, but I think it's pretty clearly a taped episode. And there is so much editing and cheesy, mm-hmm. goofy camera work on this episode of Raw more than I can ever remember seeing because yeah Vince does lock his door Uh, he's in the locker room with the Stooges when he hears this warning he barricades himself uh, in in his locker room so we cut backstage and we see the corporate ministry heading backstage banging on the door saying they're going to try to come in and beat down Vince so Vince and the Stooges are panicking And this is shot almost like a sitcom. There's two cameras in their locker room. (laughs) So they cut back and forth when Vince and the Stooges talk to each other. I don't know how else to describe it. But then the Stooges tell Vince to check and see if there's anything in the closet they can use as weapons. So Vince opens the closet door and guess who pops out? It's The Undertaker and Triple H and China who come crawling out of the closet and beat up the Stooges. And then Undertaker drags Vince into the closet before the camera goes out. It's just so goofy. Yeah, it is so goofy, like so crazily shot. And you're right; it's perfectly sounds like a sitcom because yeah, there's two cameramen in there, but like it's just so weird. You could have had a laugh track. I don't want to know what it. was happening. Oh yeah, I don't want to know what was happening in that closet with Undertaker and Triple H and China in there. And then when he takes Vince in there <laughs> later, man, it's just you hear these like sounds of violence, like these over the top like punches and. Ooh, ooh, uh, uh, it's just so cartoony, man. So, um, yeah, but then the, this green goes black. So we come back from commercial, and Vince is getting stretchered out with a neck brace on into an ambulance. So I guess Taker did a number on him. <laughs> yeah, trying to eliminate him. That you know, The story is that Shane and Vince are both booked to be the referees for this title match. So the corporate minister right. is going to try to eliminate Vince so that Shane can screw Austin out of the title and get it inside of the corporate ministry. Well, of course, Austin's not going to have any of that. He comes out to talk later on in the show. Uh, We also do see the corporate ministry. We still see them plotting backstage some more, saying they got one down, two to go, referring to Austin and The Rock. And But Undertaker makes sure to say that Austin is mine. He's going. He wants to be the one to take Austin out. So uh, Austin does come out to talk and cut his promo, basically saying he's going to put his foot into... You know, Triple H's butt, Shane's butt, China's butt, his foot's going in everybody's butt tonight. <laughs> basically. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, Undertaker keeps talking about making all sorts of sacrifices and using all this religious language. And You talk about making 
the ultimate sacrifice out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> that just ain't gonna happen. You will know that Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass, and that's all I got to say about that. And that's gonna bring out I thought the corporate ministry to respond. Oh yeah, I thought that was a good callback, you know, yeah, for Austin. Sure. I don't like the Austin 316 thing or whatever but i i do like the you know he brought it back to it so that's pretty cool so yeah um like you said court ministry comes out shane's on the mic and taker and bear come down this you know which is kind of funny to see him like pull on taker's like shoulder to stop him and see taker like listen to him i don't know it's like almost like he's his handler he, taker's so weird now like his character yeah. it's like he's gone from this satanic cult leader that's a pedophile to like kind of being handled by shane a little bit it's just He's not like submissive, but it's just weird to see him taking orders, you know, from anybody but himself. So, but you um, notice it like in that promo on Heat too. He's just, yeah. he's in his cloak, very much uh, yeah, the, like the Emperor from Star Wars. He's just you know you don't see his face or anything. <laughs> he just like steps up and says his words, and then steps to the back uh, of the ministry. It's weird to see him in that position, just not at the forefront, just as a guy yeah. in this faction. Yeah, just another person. But I mean. Good thing for him because he's going to be the main event of the show we're talking about. So, but um, Shane says he's going to arrange for Austin to have a hospital bed next to Vince tonight. Um, if he, you know, that's that's their next plan. So, and Shane uh, tells Austin also that he's going to disqualify him on, on Sunday if he lays a finger on him. So that's important. Yes. Little nougat there. It's going to drop our weight. It plays into the um, plays into the match that we're going to cover on over the edge. So, can they attack Shane and the, and the corporate ministry and? Austin pulls Bear into the ring because Bear kind of gets left by himself in all the melee. He gets in there, and Austin gives him a stunner. And I just, man, watching Paul Bear take a stunner is gold. It's so good. <laughs> he sold it well, dude. He's, he sold it better than a lot of people have. A lot uh, of non-wrestlers. He like a dead fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he took it well. Be- better than Vince, for sure. Vince is the worst at well, taking this, but... As Bear takes it, Undertaker doesn't seem to care too much. He he doesn't um, go in there to save him or anything no. like that. He just stands and watches at the top of the entryway. And King is noting on commentary that sacrifices must be made for the ministry. Undertaker has said that before, and he is only out for himself here. He's not going to care what happens to anyone else as long as he gets what he wants. Yeah, that's very true. Maybe he was staying back on the rampway because he realized that Dan Marino was actually in the audience that night. Dan and <laughs> his kids. Oh, laces out, Dan. So, <laughs> laces out. <sighs> anyway, that's going to bring us to the casket match. The casket is already at ringside for so, um, you know, there's probably a trapdoor in it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you might think that, yeah. Uh, this is our second <laughs> casket match in Raw history here. The Rock and the Undertaker. Uh, going at each other, and you know, nothing special here. Um, this is the going to lead to, of course, um, interference. <laughs> Triple H comes out and stops yeah. The Rock from rolling The Undertaker into the casket. Then Shane and China both come out, so the corporate ministry A-team is all out here. Uh, Undertaker is going to distract Rock with a, with a Death Valley blow, if you will, <laughs> down low. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> Something iconic is going to happen here. Another thing that I believe the Undertaker is responsible here for, unless I'm mistaken, because Triple H is going to bust out a sledgehammer for, from what I've seen, the very first time. And he's going to use that to smash uh, Rock's arm. Like, he destroys Rock's arm with a sledgehammer, which in theory would 
just, you know, annihilate the Rock's hand and his arm. And then uh, they're going to roll Rock into the casket and lock it shut. Uh, was that the first time Triple H has used a sledgehammer? That's the first I can recall seeing. Again, I know we haven't, you know, we're not doing talking Triple H here, but, you know, we haven't followed every single thing. But he's been, you know, in a lot of the stuff we've been covering. And so I, uh, that's the first I remember of it, man. So, yeah, it was, you know, like you said, we'll rewrite the history here and tell you that Undertaker created it as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's responsible for something else iconic that'll go down forever in wrestling history as you know being triple h's signature thing man you know that's you know the the sledgehammer and the the uh shovel to bury people with so (laughs) a couple of memes (laughs) online (laughs) but yeah the sledgehammer but dude i I do want to say this man like when um when triple h is smashing this um casket commentary is talking about how he's just showing a new side between this and um the main event we're gonna we're gonna talk about in just a minute this is kind of triple h's coming out as far as him being a big a big player he's he really goes you know i don't know he just you can see they're definitely have their eyes set to push him a little bit more you know they got something in, in line for him yeah this really is triple h's big i mean we we mentioned it a little bit on last week's show that he's starting to you know come into focus now that the rock has been kicked out of the the corporation or the corporate ministry triple yeah. h has taken that spot and he is positioned right there with undertaker as a top guy they're pushing his match with The Rock as definitely a almost a co-main event. It's certainly the number two match on the show, pushing as a big deal. And yeah, we're going to talk about it here in a second when we get to that main event. But it's a really long match that he has with Austin, a really competitive match on there. Mm-hmm. And this is like the beginning of a big mega push that's going to continue on throughout throughout the rest of the time, basically. <laughs> Yeah, basically. I was going to say through the end of the year, He's but still no, on, pretty much till the end of time. <laughs> still on top, brother. He's going to run the, the daggum show once Vince croaks. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I do want to say, we mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned this last week, we talked about how um, it was creepy that Undertaker was um, creeping on Stephanie to try to get to the top of the you know, uh, WWF and one of our listeners on Twitter, I think wrote, well, just ask Triple H is what he did. So <laughs> I, don't, I can't point. remember. If, I can't remember if we mentioned that last week or not. If we did, I apologize, but Touché. yeah, good point. Cause yeah. in real life for shoot, Triple H did that. <laughs> <laughs> it did work out pretty good well for on you, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what didn't work out well was, um, backstage, but they, we get Tony Guerrilla. Golly, I botch his name every time. Tony Guerrilla and Sarge, they open the casket backstage, and like the way Sarge looks in there, you think it's a dead body or like yes. blood everywhere. He's like, Ugh! He's like get, call an ambulance, call an ambulance. I'm like, can you show it to him? Like, what? you think that Rock was like a bloody piece of pulp, like sitting in well, there, you know? In real life, he would have been the way Triple H attacked that casket. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Rock leaves in the ambulance, and uh, we got Shane backstage says, uh, two down, one to go. So. Oh, well, then another goofy thing happens as investigative journalist Michael Cole is standing outside of Austin's dressing room. He's saying, we're going to get comments from Stone Cold about tonight's events. And we get this silly camera cut again to around the corner as the corporate ministry are just on the other side waiting around the corner. And and Shane says, okay, guys, as soon as Austin pokes his head out the door, we're going to get him. And Undertaker says again, just remember, Austin is mine. And it's just the way it's shot is so it's cartoony, so man. I hated yeah. it. Um, <laughs> oh. But they don't make good on their promise because Austin comes out. 
He's doing an interview with Michael Cole, and the camera cuts around, and the corporate ministry starts brawling with the union again. That's it's like been happening throughout this entire show. There's a long backstage fight basically between the corporate ministry and the union guys. They keep brawling with each other. Yeah, that's going to play a thread throughout the whole show and on into the main event. Because then I think the next match we get is Big Show beating Boss Man, and uh, <laughs> Big Show is rocking. Uh, jorts and some kind of combat boots. Yeah. <laughs> he has a different outfit every single week in his matches. The, like uh, Fubu pants, Fubu shirt. I don't know. I think John Cena was just copying him all these years later. Now I'm realizing it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot, show. So yeah, John Cena owes him one, which a big show credits John Cena with his, his weight loss and his new fit, you know, fitness regime. Mm. So I guess it's just paying him back for this right. idea, right? It's all here. cyclical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But after this match, we see the the corporate ministry B team making a getaway. And in suit, man, they hop in their car and just pew, pulling out of that arena. So um, you think they're gone, but oh no, they're oh, gonna no. come back in just a oh, minute no. here. So <laughs> yeah, like we said, the main event is Triple H against Austin, and it's a long match, Dude, a good match. Uh, it's probably sixteen minutes long, which for the Attitude Era, that's four times as long as any match you're gonna get on live television. Oh like, yeah, and it's it was commercial good free. too. Yeah, they it took was all the commercials too. beforehand, so it's a. It feels like a pay per view match. It's like a main event style brawl. It's good stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I watched it because I saw how long it was going to be really long, yeah. and I was like, I want to watch this. So I did too. Um, I knew something was going to happen afterward. I could tell just by the way the brawl was going. So I was like, I might as well watch it. And it was it was a really good match, but right. something does happen at you know at the end of the match. Undertaker's symbol starts being lowered down to the ring from the. Uh, from the rafters and his music hits, the lights go out and um, he comes out to attack Austin. And I guess, does that cause a DQ? I don't remember like them announcing. Yeah. I never heard the bell ring. I don't think they yeah. had an official ending to this one. Yeah. So who, somebody, is it King or JR says, what does this mean when the symbol comes down from the roof? Yeah. It's like, it, have you not been paying attention? Right. <laughs> have you not right. Been Where have you been? Oh man. <laughs> you oh. know what it means. Oh man. Well, Triple H knocks Austin out of the ring, and Undertaker starts choking Austin out. So Triple H and Shane pull the symbol down into the ring, can finish lowering it out. Uh, that brings out the corporate ministry, and then that brings out the union yet again, even though they're all supposed to have left the building. They all start crawling right. all around to the back. And while all that's happening, we see that Austin has snuck some handcuffs into the ring. Maybe he stole them from Big Boss Man or something. I don't know, but he has... <laughs> While Undertaker has been distracted, he has handcuffed the Undertaker to his own symbol. And uh, yeah. he proceeds to give Undertaker a symbol of his own, or a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, a couple from right from his hands. Yeah, yeah. He gives him that, those Austin symbols, which don't resemble a cross at all. Um, they're still not <laughs> nice, but they don't resemble a cross. Right. Still, still offensive, but still. It is pretty neat to see that. But yeah, then you got um, Taker being raised up on his own symbol here you know it's kind of weird though because the way it, the he's not facing the hard cam which is kind of strange True. um i thought that was a weird you know thing but it, they still shoot it okay because they shoot yeah. from a different camera but you know everything else we've seen has been shot from the hard cam but um he's kind of facing the rampway actually but he starts going up and um he starts laughing mm-hmm. he starts laughing like maniacally like, like like he doesn't even mind it you know and um, his music plays, and does he? Is it just me, or is he like lip syncing his song? 
music. He like mouth like the chanting and his music. He starts mouthing it yeah. as it's happening there. I thought it was a voiceover promo, but I think it's just yeah. him <laughs> reciting the words to his music. It was pretty funny, but it, it was yeah. a pretty cool visual to end the show, especially after all these months of Undertaker sacrificing Austin and Shamrock and Bossman and the Divas, all the different yeah. women, he finally gets strapped on there. And uh, that was a good way to build some heat for the pay-per-view, I thought. It is. Yeah, it's a good way to get some come up and on him and a good way to make your baby face stand strong before the main event, as we're, as main event of the pay-per-view, as we know where it's going to head. You know, it's you want him to look strong going into this because of what's going to happen um, at this pay-per-view. So um, speaking of the pay-per-view, that's going to bring us to Heat on May heat, um, 43 on May 23rd, 99. This is... The live lead-in right before the pay-per-view. Um, you'll never guess, folks, what opens up the show. <laughs> Could it be <laughs> a corporate ministry interview? <laughs> yeah, absolutely it is. Why not? Why change the status quo? So they come up, and uh, Shane is he got his ref gear on, and he says that he's been... Uh, Trying to alleviate my chronic shoulder injury. You know the one that impales my shoulder, as I sometimes count one... Two, and then all of a sudden, that, oh, right there, that pain keeps my arm from coming down on the three count, please. So I just thought that was pretty funny, man. <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I was, yeah, I laughed at it. So he he's he wants a, a tune-up match for tonight to make sure his shoulder doesn't seize up. Austin versus the heavy hitter from the <laughs> ministry. Oh good old Midian. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you want to stick out there to uh, take uh, out the world uh, champion. Yeah, exactly. And I just wrote in my notes, like, why in the heck would you not book it versus Viscera or a handicap match? But later on, I remembered that there's an eight-man tag, so I guess he didn't want his boys wrestling twice that That's night. True. So um, That but makes sense, actually. Anyway, and it's going to be payback for Vince beating the crap out of him, I guess, and trying to run him over with the car. So who knows? <laughs> Many of that is. So well, Vince and the Stooges come out later on to, for another promo and another segment that uh, basically they're going to call out Shane McMahon. Um, they have an argument over whether or not Austin can compete since he hasn't arrived at the building yet, even though there's a live pay-per-view going on. Austin right. has not showed up yet. Shane threatens to strip Stone Cold of the WWF Championship if he does not face Midian. But they, they come to an agreement that the only way that Stone Cold can get out of facing Midian tonight is if Vince McMahon replaces him in the match. So we're going to get the grudge <laughs> match we've all been waiting for. Since a couple weeks ago, Midian versus Vince McMahon. Yep. So we don't get that Phineas Goblin Austin match like Sadly, I just alluded to. We yeah. gotta get even something even bigger and even better if you can imagine <laughs> it. These guys have actual beef, you know, from the storyline. So because uh, Vince McMahon, because <laughs> Vince beat the snot out of Midian right. for a shoot backstage a couple weeks ago on Raw, and uh, here we're gonna get them. Going at it, and uh, oh, and, it's Shane, and then that promo, Shane events keep using the phrase "over the edge." Oh, like my goodness, like, Shane, you've you've gone, you've truly gone over the edge tonight. And Shane's like, "I'm not over the edge. You're the one who's gone over the edge." <laughs> it was <laughs> really forced. takes us back to one of our earlier episodes. We talked about, you know, he just doesn't let anything happen no. with subtlety, Vince. Never. So. This, which explains why there's like a million recaps during every single episode of Raw and SmackDown mm -hmm. nowadays. I, I got it. It makes sense now after going back and watching all this stuff. So um, this is that grudge Mac, we, grudge Mac, grudge match. Excuse me, easy for me to say. Um, but to prevent any interference from the union, the Ministry park a forklift 
in front of it, which I thought that was kind of neat. I appreciate that attention to detail. Sure. It explains. That's one of Russo's highlights. It, all his faults. He does tend to explain why people aren't there or are there or whatnot. So I do appreciate that. Um, the ministry, I think it's boss man drives that forklift in front of it and then just walks away. But then, yeah, we get that camera angle from inside the union's dress room. They're like banging on it and knocking on it. And Big Show can't see knock the door, even though he's ripped the door off of the arena like a couple weeks ago. So who knows? Yeah. Torn the time drawn down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this this daggone forklift, man, this is kryptonite. So. I don't know. Uh, the main event is not really a match, but it does. No. Nothing cracks me up more than seeing Vista Man lay in to Dennis Knight. He like storms the <laughs> ring and does a double leg takedown and just starts like ground and pounding Eddie yes. in at first. <laughs> it's just I love it, man. I want to see him. Just continue to use uh, this night as a punching punchy bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's taking out all his frustration. Yeah. This poor little guy. <laughs> I don't know what he has against him. Uh, it's great. <laughs> I have no idea. No, well, years later, he's going to stick him in a like thong and make him run around on television half naked. So, right. um, Poor Midian, man. Drew the, sh- drew the short straw. <laughs> drew the short eyeball. Nah, no good. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> But this is just a storyline, angle advancement, because you're going to get the corporate ministry coming out. I think it's the Acolytes, Boss Man, and Shane. They're going to team up against Vince. Midian smashes a chair on Vince's ankle. They start hitting it, um, beating his legs senseless, basically. And so basically they're trying to take him out so he'll be useless during the main event of the pay-per-view. Because, um, I mean, six days earlier on Raw, he went to the hospital. Yeah. Or, excuse me, a medical facility. Pardon my French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now Come on now. Gonna be, incap- <laughs> be incapacitated for the pay-per-view tonight. So good little story, I guess. Yeah, except for after all this happens, as the heat goes off the air, we finally see Stone Cold Steve Austin arriving to the show. <laughs> like, yeah, way to go, dude! You just screwed yeah, yourself over more because you decided to show up late and you lost the guy in the match who was actually gonna help you out. Good call, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, can you just be on time? So I love Austin. But yeah, it is weird to go back and watch this stuff and see how like people rag on Brock Lesnar's, you know, angles the last year and a half. But like Austin was late all the time. All the time. And he always came out late in his tag matches. And he was, you know, one episode, that one episode where they jump off the bridge, like he showed up right before the end of the show. Like It's just he's not there all the time. <laughs> it's really weird. So it is weird. go back and watch. He's still... The greatest, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So that does take us to Over the Edge 1999, May 23rd, 1999, for the Kemper Arena in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun talking about this stuff. So, yeah, let's just rip the Band-Aid off and talk about the not-so-fun thing. You know, we're here to talk about Undertaker. That's the idea of our podcast is to go through all his matches, but you can't talk about this pay-per-view without talking about you know, why it matters, why this pay-per-view is important. And uh, it's just interesting to note, um, this show was, of course, never re-released in any way after the initial broadcast in any way, shape, or form for 15 years. You know, I don't think even, I'm not sure about this, I don't think any matches were, like, ever included in DVDs or anything like that, For from what I can tell. Um, I, I don't believe so. Yeah, I think that. you're right. But um, I do remember it was. I mean, it, it it did not become available until the WWE Network launched in 2014, and that was one of the big selling points of the network was that we're going to have every pay per view available 
So like that was one of the questions that a lot of people had. Well, is that going to mean over the edge 99 also? Right. Because it never been seen since that night, unless you had a bootleg copy of it. Uh, and it was, and I know there was a lot of obviously morbid curiosity by people to see that pay-per-view. I've never seen it. Um, and I didn't watch it to watch the, I watched the main event and, uh, you know, that's all I wanted to watch from this to me is just like, still just uncomfortable to try and watch it just as a wrestling show. Um, I've seen, you know, the clips of JR announcing, you know, Owen's death and, and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I've seen that, didn't need to rewatch it again. Uh, but you know, to me, just watching the match uh, was all I really wanted to do for this one. I know you were, uh, you watched through the whole show uh, and it was kind of weird to see a lot of the stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I watched a lot of the show, not because I wanted to see anything specific, but I read a recap online from somebody who had recapped it, not of the night, but from the network. And they were saying that they took out every single um, mention of Owen Hart, Blue Blazer, anything they cut directly from the match previous to when he falls to the next segment. And um, I found out from doing a little more research that reading uh, as an excerpt from, let me find it in my notes real quick, from Foley's book. Um, oh, goodness, which one was that? It was his second book, I think. Um, he says that um, <clears throat> he, sa- he says that they didn't announce it to the live audience at the Kemper Arena. They just announced it to those watching at home. so wow. And it's actually in between The Rock and Triple H match, which is the, the, the second from the top. Right in between that and Taker and Austin is when the audience at home is notified that Owen Hart actually did pass away. I think about, it had been about an hour since he'd fallen. Um, and again, you don't don't see the fall. when you, Even when they're watching it live, you don't, don't see him fall. There's a video package playing. The camera comes back on, and he's... The, the camera cuts away before they show him lying in the ring. So you didn't even see the fall. Um, but so I was just curious as to see how they edited it, you know, um, on the network. So I did watch a lot of this show and it really wasn't a great show anyway, but, and I wanted to see the difference in the crowd reaction because, um, and it does make sense because once you see the crowd for the main event, like they're not different than they were earlier in the night. So they really didn't know. I don't think so. Um, that was, I'm glad fully, um, told us that in his book, um, and as, it's fully as good. That's where, yeah, he says that they never told that Owen ever died, just the fans at home. So, um, but again, I just wanted, to, I was just interested to see, and like it, it made me uncomfortable before I found that out, um, because uh, I think the match right after um, what would have been the Blue Blazer match is Deborah and Jeff Jarrett yeah. coming out, and it cuts from whatever happened before the blue blazer fall to, to straight to that match. No mention of anything, no anything. And the crowd pops when Deborah comes out. And it's weird to see knowing that minutes before Owen had just fallen, you know? Um, and I'm sure, weird, but the crowd just of, moves on. Yeah. A lot of people in the audience probably thought it was a work, you know, whatever, sure. I'm, you know, uh, it was uh, from accounts that I've read, it was very violent and, and like scary to see, but yeah. a lot of, I know a lot of people thought it was a dummy or thought it was an angle. And obviously we've seen the lines of reality blurred a lot uh, over the past few weeks on this show. Yeah. So I could totally understand that. And I'm sure a lot we, of people were very, very confused about it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, we've seen Austin thrown off a bridge. We've seen Hawk jump from the Titantron, yeah. you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah. recently. Very so I could stuff. easily see how if you're following this religiously like we were, you might think it's an angle. You know, I'm not going to follow those fans for not reacting, you know, the way. Because they could have just thought it was an angle. You know, they had no idea. No. And there was, this was 99 with no smartphones. No one's online on Twitter no blowing Twitter. you up. No one's calling you. Hardly anybody had a cell phone unless you were driving at that point. Like, no one had a cell phone back then. So you're not calling people or calling the Internet, you know, getting online, the Wi-Fi. And the, so, you know, like, they don't know. So I can't fault them. But, yeah, go ahead and say what you were about to say because we found out this night, actually, when we were, you know, May 23rd was the night we actually did find out, even yeah. though we, went, we didn't see the pay-per-view. So you and I were both 13 years old around this time, pretty rabid mm-hmm. and wrestling fans. What do you remember about finding out about – Owen Hart's death because it was you know pretty shocking moment for for anybody but you know especially for us as 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 kids like learning that oh my god like a a wrestler has died like in such a Mm -hmm. horrific fashion yeah so I remember I've mentioned before in this podcast I've never got to see heat never got to see pay-per-views on Sunday nights I was always out to eat after church and so but my buddy at church Daniel um, he he called me when I got home. From, he, he did not go out to eat with us this night for church because he got the pay-per-view. So I got home after dinner, and he called me and told me that Owen fell, and the, the camera cut away. You don't you didn't see anything, you know, and he called me told me that and said that um, the audience uh, kind of uh, – or excuse me, there was an interview afterward, and they, they knew something was up, but he said JR made a comment that it was not part of the scheduled entertainment. Or something like that. So Jr. told you, but again, you never know. Back then, Vince Russo's thing is breaking kayfabe, so you don't know. Like you know, Undertaker's sure. just Mark at this point to us yeah, fans. So that's right. You know, we don't really that's know. Right. But I, and I remember, I remember going online and trying to check on the story. But again, it's the information was a little slower back then than it is nowadays. And so um, I do remember later on, about I guess about an hour later, Daniel called me and told me that Jr. just announced that Owen died, um, and I was just like, I mean, I know I was. At this point in my life, in 13, I wasn't a rabid Owen Hart fan. I always appreciated his work. I loved his stuff in The Nation. I loved – I had gone back at this point and watched all his old stuff because you would get me videotapes. And um, my favorite opening match to WrestleMania ever is still him and Brett. Um, it was at this point, too. I love it. Um, I, I've always appreciated his work. But I wasn't the hugest Owen Hart, but still, watching somebody that you do appreciate, you know, and now knowing that they're gone, it definitely was hard to take in. You know, and knowing that it wasn't part of an angle like Hawk jumping off of a Titan trial, it was real. And it's it sucked, man. It sucked to hear and it sucked the next day. I yeah. got a story I want to tell about that in a minute, but I want to let you go ahead and talk. I've been talking for a long time. Well, <laughs> I mean, I was devastated by it. Dude. But as yeah. a young, smart mark, quote unquote, as someone who, you know, was moving beyond just say, oh, I love Hulk Hogan. Oh, I love Ultimate Warrior. Right. I was, you know, appreciating character stuff and what what makes a good heel and all that sort of stuff even at that age and owen had like yeah. in the past year or so become my favorite wrestler up to that point i loved him in the nation i loved going back and looking at him as in the king of hearts days and like really appreciating yeah. <laughs> what i didn't appreciate when i was you know seven or eight years old seeing that now I'm like oh he's really incredible uh really underrated and I always cheered for kind of like the underdog guy the guys who weren't quite in the main event level so i loved Oh, and, oh yeah. and I remember vividly hearing about his passing. I believe uh, it was uh, our friend at the time. His name was Paul Lands. He used to get every wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah, he did. To, I used to watch a lot of them at his house, but I didn't watch this one. And he, I remember he, him calling me and just, just being in shock, just not believing something like mm-hmm. that could be real or happen. And actually, I remember uh, on TV that night, 
was that weird Jesse Ventura movie, like biopic about his life that's like really poorly oh, acted. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to be airing that same yeah. night. And they actually had a crawl come across the screen, like saying, like breaking news about what had happened. And that was just mm. unbelievable to me. And then it was the top story on the evening news, like the 11 o'clock news that night. It was the top story on the Today Show. It was the headline yeah. on the newspaper, like front page news in the newspaper. And that was just shocking to me because of how much of a joke pro wrestling was at that time. Uh, right. You know, I know we've talked about him being on the cover of TV guide, but like in a real mainstream news sense, that was pretty shocking to that. It would got such big coverage. It makes sense. But uh, 12 year old, 13 year old me that I couldn't believe it. So it was just, yeah, it was, it was devastating. It was mind blowing. I couldn't understand it. And I know me and you definitely talked about it uh, the next day at school and we're, super you know uh upset about it as i'm sure every wrestling fan was i'm sure all of our listeners have very personal stories and will remember where they were when when they heard the news and i remember being you know not knowing what they were going to do on raw the next night not knowing what sort of tribute right. was going to happen and uh, i definitely cried during raw that night uh, yeah. i think specifically like mark henry's little poem that he read oh goodness and, and jeff jarrett yeah. i know jeff jarrett was very emotional in his little interview and man it was uh <laughs> as a 13 year old i don't know if i'd ever really experienced death <laughs> like that uh, you know up to that point yeah. no one in my family had really died uh, up until that point so that was kind of a first brush with that and um yeah, yeah. What, you had a specific story about school the next day too. Oh yeah, dude. Like you know, every day, every Monday and Tuesday after pay per views or Raws, we'd always give two sweets and suckets all around. You know, that was just the thing back then. You know, we were all two sweeting each other and telling anybody suck it and whatever. But um, I don't think there were a lot this day. But um, I, one thing before I tell the story, I want to talk about. You know, we we watch wrestling as an escape, like we talked about. You know. You know, it's, it's it's a safe escape from reality. That's why we talked about some of this crap that Russo's been writing for Vince about this pedophile stuff. It's just it's uncomfortable, you know. Like we don't want to bring politics in. We don't want to bring religion. Just just have fun. It's an escape from you know your everyday life. And so when something real happens like this, you know, a wrestler dying, it really does suck the fun out of it, you know. So I can't imagine what it was like for the wrestlers that night. Well, especially. Austin sure. and, and Takers, we're gonna actually we, we will get to the match in just a second, guys. But um, we just need to talk about this big big day, this big big um event in wrestling history. So yeah, the next day at school, I remember in tech lab class, which we've mentioned before, um, Miss Garrison's class, <laughs> we mentioned about the tech lab here on our podcast. But um, my group was filming a mock TV news broadcast, and um, we were I think I was a co-anchor with a buddy of mine. I don't mention his name, but um, I don't. I don't know all those against and then but now, but I did then. But um, one of the kids in my group was doing the the mock TV news thing. He was like, "Oh yeah, news last night. You know, wrestler Owen Hart passed away." And but no one really cares about him anyway. And I was just like, "Oh man, like it just wow. it just hit me like really hard. Like, why would you say that? Like, why would you joke about that? You know, like it's not like even if you don't like wrestling, which this particular friend of ours did like wrestling. So I guess he was just trying to get a pop out of the people. But I don't know. But um. I just got so frustrated, like, inside by his comments. And, like, again, Owen wasn't my favorite or anything, but he's a human being, and he died in front of a live audience. You know, well, he died basically, later, but, he, yeah. you know, he basically died in front of a live audience on national television. You know, like, he's a freaking human being, so let's have some decency here. You know, I just – that will always stand out in my mind, you know. Like, 
that moment of him mocking it like the very next day, May 24th. Like, yeah. Like he couldn't have waited a year or two weeks as the next day. So, uh, well, I don't that's know, one always... thing coming from a middle school kid, but I'm, I think, yeah. uh, Colin Cowherd was on the radio the next day and made like insensitive jokes about the blue blazer diet. And I've never, uh, liked that guy <laughs> ever since I heard that that happened. I still don't like oh, that guy. Word. Not a ESPN anchor. <laughs> yeah. Still don't like what? him because of that. Um, but yeah, well, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said we're going to move on to the match here and we are, but we are talking about this because you can't separate that from no. this Undertaker match. You can't separate it from this pay-per-view and, you know, not to get on soapbox or anything, but you can't escape it because you know, I know it's 20 years later. I know what does it matter anymore to, to debate all this sort of stuff, but look, in my opinion, and you can tell me what you think in just a second, but I don't think this match should have ever happened. This Undertaker Stone Cold match. In my opinion, the show should have been canceled. You know, when you find out what's happened to Owen Hart, you know, no matter how much time is left in the show, even if there's just one more match going on, to me, a guy dies in that fashion in front of a live audience, you have to stop the show. Uh, it's. It's not like a guy on the roster dying that morning or the day before, like with Brian like Pillman. Pillman. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe you should cancel the show still when that happens, but I can understand the show must go on mentality at that time. And look, I understand this had never happened before. There's no game plan in place for when something like this happens. So you can, you know, you can almost excuse Vince and, and the company sure. for being confused and not knowing what to do. And they were. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not criticizing anybody. Like, they knew that guy. They were very emotional. I don't know what I would have done in that moment. But in hindsight, to me, it's just unfathomable that this show continued on after, <laughs> I, like yeah. you said, he didn't technically die in the ring, but he pretty much did. And he did die backstage or in the ambulance on the way on. So he did die during the show. And they still went on with it. And they still had a wrestling show going on mm -hmm. it, to me it's just it's not that important you know it's not that important right. to continue on the storyline like it's just call the show let the fans know announce to the crowd what what actually happened instead of pressing on through it and this is not me saying the wwf is responsible like it was an accident it was a no. freak accident yeah. you know they have some sort of responsibility for putting him in a crazy situation that maybe an untrained guy maybe shouldn't be in, you know, there's a little bit of that, but it was a freak accident. I'm not, you know, trying to put sure. all the blame on them. It's just, it, this is hard for me to watch because I don't think it ever should have happened. So, you know, I mean, how do you feel about it? No, I agree because, um, it's weird because, because I did watch most all of the show, there are a lot of pre-takes backstage that tell a story throughout the entire, Entire show and that are going to lead up to what's going to happen in the main event like um we get um oh shoot we get um after the opening match we get um michael cole telling us events might not be able to compete tonight and then after the second match Cole's with the stooges and an ambulance is on the way uh to and pat diagnoses uh vents with a broken ankle i guess and then later on we get um this uh, him backstage again, and Cole interviews Shane, and Shane says he's going to call it down the middle um, because Vince won't be there and stuff. And so there's just all this stuff 
um, backstage previous. I don't know if that was the reason. Like at the end of the night, they were like, "Oh, well, we've already done all those. Let's just go ahead and finish telling the story." But yeah, I agree with you. Like they show Vince maybe because, being loaded be- into an ambulance after yeah, Owen's yeah. accident has happened. After yeah, so wow, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Like I, I don't know. Again, in that moment, I don't know. I, I, personally, me, I would have said, "Let's not get the man." Like once we announced to the audience at home that Owen's dead. I would just say let's just let Austin come out there or Vince or whomever Austin can do it and tell the fans and just, you know, say, in, you know, in good faith, we're going to just continue this tomorrow. Sorry or something like that. You know, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's it's weird, man. But um, they do a good job editing everything off on the actual show. So um, I wouldn't recommend the show in any way aside from that. It's just not a great show. But, um, yeah, but yeah, it's you know, I agree with you. It's definitely weird. I, I don't know. But I also think I don't know it's if, pretty wild that. They were bold enough to go through with the finish for the main event and to have the heel win the WWF championship, especially this heel, the evil cold yeah. dead man, after a guy <laughs> died in the ring. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they're gonna change the finish. Like maybe put the put the hero on top to send the fans uh, home happy in this sort of yeah. situation. That's another thing too. Like I know well, the, the audience didn't know about it, like, but the TV audience knew and were depressed about Owen sure. Hart dying maybe try to cheer him up by having the baby face win the title I don't know like, sure ah, it's just yeah uh, I don't know it's high because like they did that they did that. that they did that after 9-11 when remember when um Angle yes. won the title from yes. from Austin for like a week just as a go but again that was like a tape it wasn't this next it wasn't the same wasn't night, so same I don't know man. it's hard to it's hard to say what we would have done in the, in the moment but mm-hmm. you know it's definitely weird to watch and um uncomfortable but um yeah yeah it, it happened <laughs> and the match goes on so well let us know. I can't imagine what Taker and Austin felt like no, going through with this match either. so you can let us know how you felt about it your thoughts on if the show should have gone on gone on if this match should have even happened and tell us your memories about uh Owen Hart and about uh, this night as for you as a wrestling fan on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and all that good stuff. But uh, let's talk about the match and the pay-per-view itself. There is some, uh, I did watch the very beginning of the show. There is a cool uh, video package at the beginning. It's narrated by the undertaker with all those shots. We mentioned that they're using his Titan Tron video now of him basically in some sort of warehouse, all these candles and, stained glass and windows and all that sort of stuff and he basically i feel like he's cut all this this promo before that he's Mm. talking about in this narration but uh it was a cool video package to start the show there was man he gives himself all those nicknames again the reaper of men chase for souls weaver of nightmares heart of darkness which and the purity of evil which i'm gonna correct myself i stand corrected a couple weeks ago i said the heart of darkness was a great movie with val kilmer I've, I lied. It's actually Ghost in the Darkness. It's a Valkyrie movie. I forgot. It's a Lion movie. Anyway, I'm sure there's a movie called Hard Darkness. I'm sure it's great, but um, it does not have Valkyrie in it. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, and he said, and Dagger says, you know, purity of evil from which there's no escape. So then we get this really cool little, like, logo thing as yeah. Taker's symbol comes down like you know it's CGI and there's a rattlesnake like wraps around it and like strikes at the camera or like, at the screen. I just thought that was pretty cool little like extra production values given into these you know Taker we've always admit, like talked about how they give his entrances and his videos extra production value and like Austin's the top guy so seeing both of them together get this extra like money poured into it it's really neat to see just how they how they stand in the company's eyes you know so and they do stand in the main event position here. We talked about all the 
little vignettes already that yeah. go on through the night. So they go on last. We get a recap video of everything from the Black Wedding on. Although these guys have been feuding sort of on and off since since last summer, you know, which is crazy to think about here. Um, yeah. It, Undertaker, uh, excuse me, uh, Shane is out first, the special guest referee. Yeah, he's out to no chance music. He yeah. doesn't come out to the corporate ministry music. Why does he come out to the no chance music? I don't know. They play. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They play shuffle with all these corporate ministry guys' music a lot. Like, yeah. Sometimes they come out to the faction music. Sometimes they come out to their own music. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to interject. Go ahead there. So, so yeah, Shane comes out first, and then the and second referee comes out. Yeah, since Vince <laughs> is in the hospital, or the, excuse me, the local medical facility, I'll bleep yes. that out, receiving <laughs> treatment for his broken ankle. Pat Patterson comes out next, looking all fresh in his referee outfit to take Vince's place as the second guest referee. Yes, he does. I think Pat came out a long time ago. But oh, excuse me. He comes out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with that. Uh, well, he doesn't last long, though, no. because uh, no. Taker and Bear no. are out next. Uh, Taker's in his cape and with his samurai haircut. And Shane and Pat are arguing in the ring, so Undertaker just gives Pat Patterson a choke slam. Uh, Pat Patterson, <laughs> he, he goes up big for it like he always does, but uh, he's no longer going to be the second referee. No, he's not. And yeah, Taker has that Black Raven cloak on or whatever, like he had at Backlash. And it's cool because when he gets in the ring, he just stares a hole through Patterson before he choke slams him. And like, you got Bear and Shane helping him take his cloak off. So he's getting a little bit of pomp and circumstance here. You know, and then, yeah, he just goozles him and choke slams him. And it's great, man. But one thing, when, when he comes out, and there comes out, JR is like, it's shocking to hear these overwhelming boos. And I don't know about you, man, but I didn't hear anything. Like, it was no, kind of indifference to me. Anything like that either. You know? Yeah. So I, I actually kind of heard him get a little issue. bit of a pop, I think, when he came out. Like, yeah. cheers, which is Just because strange. of who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, this pretty it's a pretty um uneventful crowd. I don't know if it's just because of what's happened earlier, you know. Again, they didn't know what happened, but they knew somebody did fall, but they do come alive when this glass shatters, man, and Austin comes out. For so sure. they are alive and ready to go. And he's got his usual swagger, but um he rushes in and immediately just goes for Taker and is trading right hands back and forth and Taker hits him out of the out of the um ring and the crowd starts chanting, Austin, Austin. So it's just I don't know, man. It's right to the get-go, I guess. Or from the get-go, they're just going at each other. So, Well, Austin busts out a new move. He hits the apron stunner on Undertaker, takes a page out of Taker's book, yeah. and then Stone Cold gets up on the top rope and hits a diving clothesline <laughs> off the top onto Undertaker for a quick two-count. That was something I don't think I'd ever seen before. No, I mentioned a few weeks ago how he jumped off the um, – the guardrail and like that wasn't something i never seen now he's taking it even higher and going to the top rope man so yeah I've, i don't ever remember seeing him come from a top rope so i like that it was good it was good um and then austin is stomping taker in the corner and as shane, like, as shane gets to the five count he just turns around and flicks shane off and, <laughs> and starts over a new five count and it's just it's so funny to watch him just do that so nonchalantly and like it like almost like it's real man he's just such a good he plays that character so well, Austin does. Absolutely. Um, you know, we can do some play-by-play here, but honestly, it is 
just a lot yes. of fighting around the outside. It, that's what mm-hmm. this whole match is. Basically, back and forth, outside the ring, back in the ring. Um, there's some, you know, Shane is continuing to be a heel referee. He, like, one point, Austin and Scott Taker sort of in a submission hold, and Shane just pulls Undertaker towards the ropes, and then, yeah. and then Shane tries to pull the ropes towards Undertaker, too. <laughs> But, yeah, that was pretty funny, man. Uh, yeah, so Shane's doing that. Um, Paul Bearer tries to distract Austin at one point, and Austin decks him, <laughs> knocks him right out. It's so good. So good. Yeah, there's a lot of leg work, too, man. Like, they're working yeah. each other's legs. It's weird. There's long stretches of just leg work, and I don't know, man. It's just weird. There's a couple of low blow, or excuse me, Death Valley shots. Um from each other they both hit each other in the death valley and uh, yep. don't get dq'd so um because like and it's cool though because um i do want to say like i don't know if this was just commentary catching it or not but austin nails taker in death valley and shane doesn't dq him and i think it's jr's like well title can't change hands on dq so i guess that's why shane let him do that mm-hmm. wants taker to win so i was like well i don't know if that was an accident or not but kudos to jr for catching that so. that's a good cover-up i like that yeah <laughs> Uh, they go, you know, they fight around the announce table. They fight up around the entryway. They fight into the crowd at one point. It's just not a lot of sort of play-by-play to give here, although Undertaker does end up blocking the Thez press at one point. He catches Austin when he does that and gives him a spine buster. And the announcers made a big deal saying that was the first time they've ever seen anything like that, like the Thez press being blocked. And it was a cool little spot right there. Yeah, it was, and man, Austin looked like he got dropped on his head for a shoot. Man, like, it was a yeah. it was an ugly spine buster. Um, he he immediately grabs his neck. I, I don't know if he was just selling really well, and I couldn't see through it, or if he legit hurt his neck there because you know his, his stack of dimes isn't pretty good <laughs> at this point. So um, but uh, yeah, he, he hits that spine buster, and then <laughs> Austin kind of rolls over to the to the hang his head off the apron, and Paul Bear comes in with his signature spot. The uh, loafer to the head, the loaded loafer, <laughs> hits him twice. And I think that, uh, is it King? It says, well, no one's ever reversed that either. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, oh. how did I not remember that Paul Bear hits people with his shoe in almost every single match? I, <laughs> it happens I, it compl- so many more times than I realized. I know, me too. I had no idea until we started doing this. He did it all time. the time. So. Yeah. And after he does it, he goes, it's all ours now. It's all ours now. <laughs> so he's loving it. So, And JR's like, yeah, he would love to manage the WWF champion for a third third time. So a yeah. um, little, you know, I like that. So they start brawling up the aisle at this point, And then there's some stained glass windows hanging there for the, you know, the uh, entrance way. And Taker punches right through one. <laughs> and Austin does. He punches right through one. And Austin throws Taker's head through one. I thought it was going to be a blade job, honestly. Yeah. but. Yeah, they could have It wasn't. So, yeah, it would have made sense. So, um, they Austin throws Taker onto a stretcher or gurney that's over by the entryway for some reason and starts rolling <sighs> down the entryway there. Uh, awkward little spot. Yeah, uh, it was weird. They uh, brawl back towards the ring and Taker gets a choke. Or, no, yeah, Austin... Yeah, they start fighting in the ring, and Austin um, does his second rope elbow, 
and looks like it's going to be a three count, but Shane's elbow just starts acting up again, man. He can't finish the three count. Uh, King says that it must, he must have a case of bursitis, dude. The poor guy. I love it, man. I love King covering for the heel. It's so good. It was weird to me, yeah, though, so, you because know, Lawler has almost been a face the past few. Like, he's been saying Undertaker's true. taking it too far, and that's he's true. out of his character. But this whole match, he's, he's pulling for Shane and Undertaker. He, he's flip-flopped. Uh, you're right. You're right. I, I didn't think about that. It didn't cross my mind. So, uh, didn't cross yeah, yours right, either, though. apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, man, it's after this, Austin just gets in, I think it's Shane's face, as Bear slides a chair in the ring, and then Taker goes to hit Austin, but he reverses it, and then Taker gets thrown into Shane and nails Taker with his chair. And uh, he goes to pin him, and Briscoe comes jaunting down the uh, aisleway in his zebra stripes. And, uh, and he gets in the ring, counts to two, and then Taker gets up and just knocks Austin down and takes out Briscoe. <laughs> so he's taking out both the Stooges by himself. Well, the crowd thinks they've got it figured out. They start chanting for HBK. Yeah. They think he's going to be the one to save the day. But unfortunately, Shawn Michaels not in the building. Uh, but luckily, Vince has returned from the hospital, really selling that ankle, limping in there. He doesn't have that typical Vince swagger. He's selling the ankle big time, but he's going to come out there to try to save the day. He gets a little bit of a pop when he comes yeah. out. But again, this whole thing we've been talking about, people <laughs> don't want to cheer for Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Exactly. So, yeah, he crawls in the ring, and uh, Taker and Austin have that, you know, the classic double down spot, the double cho- double clothesline, you know, double down. So Vince is counting while they're down. I think he gets to, like, eight or nine, and then they sit up and look, stare at each other, but the camera misses it. And, you know, like, yeah. Kevin Dunn's usually so good with that stuff. And, like, we see it nowadays with – or we saw, we saw it with Kane and Undertaker on this show, and we'll see it when we get to Undertaker and, and – uh, Brock Lesnar and stuff, they do the double setup, but here, man, I really wish that I would, they would have caught that on camera, because it was a, to see Austin do that with it would have been a cool spot to it, see. It so. did look really cool, yeah, or it could have been really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's going to pretty much lead us to the finish here, as yeah. Vince shoves Shane McMahon, oh, excuse me, as uh, Austin ends up hitting the stunner but on Undertaker, but Vince stops Shane from counting. Shane, uh, oh, Sorry. Austin hits Undertaker with a stunner. Uh, Shane stops Vince from counting. So Vince gets up and he shoves Shane down. But then Austin starts arguing with Vince. He's still not happy that Vince wasn't able to count the three count. Shane gets back up and shoves Vince into Austin, who stumbles down. And Undertaker quickly covers him. And Shane does a super fast count to give Undertaker the 1-2-3 and the World Wrestling Federation Championship for the third time. But yeah, he doesn't have a chance to celebrate here as Shane just grabs the smoking skull belt, runs away, and Austin yeah. just starts. Uh, unloading on Undertaker again. 
Yeah, he does, man. It's it's crazy. I I, I really like the finish of this match. I thought it was a very creative way to get to it. Um, I to me, it's got Pat Patterson written on it again. You know, he's so good at these finishes, but I, and it, it happens in the blink of an eye too, man. If you blink, you miss it because it's so quick. Where Vince, Vince, excuse me, Shane pushing Vince into Austin, who then gets rolled up. But um, it's really like I said, really mega fast. Camp. This is the kind of fast game Nick Patrick was supposed to do at Starcade '97. <laughs> yeah, he blew that and ruined that whole match. So, but uh, yeah, Taker wins just shy under 23 minutes. But like you said, yeah, there's no time to celebrate because Shane is angry, or excuse me, Austin's angry. Bossman and Median come in the ring. They eat stunners from Austin. He's swinging a chair at the acolytes, and we see Taker holding up a title next to Shane in the aisleway, and Shane's jumping around like a you know, the boy wonder, the little idiot child that he is. And again, it's weird to see Taker kind of, I don't know, like playing second fiddle to Shane here, you know, with this whole angle. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think Shane's done a great job in his role. Sure. He's, uh, he's yeah. better, a lot better than I remember him being. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's weird to see Undertaker not the really the focus, even though he is the WWF champion here for the third time. So that is third time. Interesting to see here, and a definitely a historic moment for Taker. Uh, and it's also unfortunate to, you know, like we said, everybody gets a pass uh, performance-wise on this show, but still, just, I think Undertaker and Austin just don't seem to have good chemistry with each other, uh, especially over know. the past few months. And you know, you mentioned in your notes too, like obviously Undertaker was hurt in that No Mercy match that we covered. Last week, and that was just a week before this show, yeah. and he's been nursing injuries for God knows how long now. So you got to give that part of it too. But God, these matches with Austin have just not delivered. It's weird, man. I don't, I don't know if it's because Austin's not a typical face, and you know, like he's not going to be one of those little small, you know, like Shawn Michaels type guys that's going to bump and feed and sell and you know have the big comeback and then win. He's a, he's just. His character's not meant for that. Whereas you got him up against Taker too, who's not your typical face. Or he's gonna be, he should be controlling most of the match, no matter who he's facing. You know, so I don't know if it's just a ring psychology type thing where it comes down to that. Again, we're not wrestlers, but I just, sure. you know, just watching them, um, it is weird how they just don't have the chemistry that, like, say, uh, Sean and and Taker have, or even a Hunter and Taker have. It's weird that Hunter and Taker have better matches, in, in my opinion, than Austin and Taker do, because Austin's, you know, the icon, man. He's, he's the man, so um, it's weird. Well, we've got a but, few uh, more to cover uh, along the way here, so yeah. maybe <laughs> we'll see something better. But next week, we're going to move on to King of the Ring 1999. We've got a ton of build-up, the historic greater power revelation that I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughts about to cover. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts oh about this show, of course, as I mentioned already. You can let us know all of that. Uh, if you have uh, some different thoughts or if you agree with us, let us know. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Talking Taker, and all our different sites. I uh, just want to give some shout-outs to some people who have hit us up on social media as of late. Uh, Jeremy Bagley on Twitter has uh, has some great comments on there on some of our posts. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Dolores Hooper has been going through our podcast from the beginning. She just picked up on us and has uh, been going through this, so she'll hear this uh, after a while. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. You know, all the regulars out there, uh, Aaron Curtis, 426 on Twitter, 
Mass Raptor. Hey, we've had some new folks uh, reaching out to us and letting us know, commenting. We do appreciate it. We enjoy it. Uh, we'll usually follow you back on here as well if you do follow us. So we love to interact with you. That's the super fun part about this. Even when we have a depressing and upsetting show to talk yeah. about, it's fun to do it, to talk about it with you guys and to reminisce and commiserate about all our shared memories. Isn't that right, my friend? Absolutely. And I mean, apparently I was a huge Owen Hart mark because I named my second son uh, Owen. So I guess, <laughs> I guess deep down I was a bigger mark. Man, I've gone on to appreciate stuff after his passing. But I guess, I mean, I didn't, I was still displeased that, you know, that what happened with his death. But, you know, um, I don't know. I wasn't the hugest fan, but I wasn't not a fan either. You know, I don't know how to put it in perspective, but, it, you know, I wasn't as big a fan as you were, obviously, because you had followed him for longer. But, um, yeah, we, you know, there's... We hope we finished off this episode in a bright spot, you know, um, talking about this match, even though it was probably about 11 minutes too long, the actual match was. It could have shaved it in half, and it would have been just as good. (laughs) So, um, anyway, uh, one thing I do want to comment is that JR says, the rattlesnake's been jobbed by the boy with wonder. (laughs) I don't know if he meant to say that or not. A little shootsky there. Good job. But, um, yeah, man, you guys out there, we appreciate all your uh, feedback and all your um, interactions. You know, Alex handles on the Twitter. I, I do stuff on Facebook with us. He does the Twitter and the Instagram. So um, follow us. We'd love to interact. If you are there, if you are at the Kemper Arena, we absolutely want to hear from you about this night. You, you know, if, if we're mistaken, they did tell the fans, you know, let us know. According to Foley, they didn't. But let us know if you were there. This is a big, big, big night and a change a change in the wrestling industry after this. Um and hopefully one day Owen can get his rightful place in the Hall of Fame. You know, we'll see what happens with that. But um, if you were there, let us know. If not, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Ladies and gentlemen, may I ask you to please rise and join the WWF superstars as we toll the bell ten times and pay our respects to Owen Hart. <laughs>